In the last five episodes of In Therapy, I interviewed a range of people in consultation with therapists about their journeys. I wanted to know what led them to consider going for sessions, the value they drew from these interactions, and the kind of relationships they enjoyed, and in some instances, didn't enjoy with their therapists. In this episode, I turn the focus to the other side of the equation, so to speak, and chat to a therapist about her journey into psychology and her passion for decolonized African psychology grounded in spirituality. Therapy is like a feather duster to remove whatever dust has settled on a person so that they can find their own magic in terms of who they are as a person and be able to live their lives in the most meaningful and fulfilling way. This is In Therapy, stories and conversations about the pursuit of mental health. I'm your host, Ngabagazimanzi. Siskosi Gianni grew up in Soweto, specifically Ezola and later Mfulo, in a close-knit family surrounded by loving parents, grandparents and siblings. She describes herself as a precocious and talkative child who was very close to her aunt, a qualified social worker. Initially, I assumed it must have been her aunt who inspired her to become a psychologist. But as it turned out, I'd assumed wrong. My journey into psychology began with my encounter Nezangoma. Yeah. So where I lived, Kokoko, Ezola, there used to be around the corner, there was a corner house, and I can still see it ever so clearly. There was a corner house, Begunezangoma, a lot of them. And I remember the first time I went there, it, it just grabbed me. It just grabbed me. It just, it just took me um, to a place where I knew that it opened a, another curtain into humanity, into us as human beings, that it grabbed me, you know, and would never leave me. It grabbed me in such a way that it was like, so there is more to us. Because when I watched those people, I said, where do they go? Where do these people go? Because they are clearly not here. And it opened in me the, 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 a window into, into the depth of our being. And I wanted to go there. I want, I want to, I asked, where do they go? I want to go there. So growing up for the longest time, for quite some time, I wanted to be Isangoma. I remember I used to get a hiding for years and I wouldn't care. I would go, whatever the price I will pay. And it's interesting because it was okay. And then when we moved to Mfulo, same street, Begune Zangom, opposite Begune Zangom. If I just hear a scoopu, Mm. I run. I could be on the floor. If my mother is not there, I'm gone. My mother would come home and find the baguette in the middle of the kitchen because I I leave things as they are because I'm running. And I have my drum that I want and I want to get there before anybody takes my drum. Uh, because And I had this thing. I was praying that 
they say to me that I'm supposed to be Sangoma because I understood <laughs> that you have to be told. Sure. You know, it has mm. to be a calling. So I'm waiting for this. Even though the young Kosi continued to attend traditional healer's ceremonies, none of his Angoma ordained her as one of their own. She remained drawn, however, to the idea of entering higher levels of consciousness and remembers a particular moment when she was introduced to psychology as a career path. Eskolweni, we had um, career talks and they would invite people from different professions to come and give a talk. And the one time they invited a psychologist, this white female psychologist, and I wish I knew who she was. Mm -hmm. Um, And she started talking. And within two minutes, I said, that's the thing. That's the thing. And so from that moment on, it kind of, it channeled me that, okay, I could do healing work. Even though my aunt was a social worker and she was doing healing work, that didn't speak to me. Whereas this resonated, it was like more like, this is what I want to do. And so after high school, Siskosi registered for a course in psychology at university and continued with it as far as honors level. Despite getting A's in the subject, she felt a little out of place and decided to quit. A year later, she went to study human resource management at a business school, got married and moved in with her husband. 18 months later, however, the marriage had failed, giving her cause to reflect deeply on her life. I took myself into a place of a a, a sabbatical and... I had this talk with myself. I rented a flat in Midrand and I would sit there and I would ask and I would talk. I talk with myself and I would say, so Kosi, so what do you want? So what's going to happen now? And you're how old at this No, stage? by now I'm, I'm 30. Yeah. So what are you going to do with your life? Who do you want to become? Because I know where I'm coming from. I don't want to go there. I don't know what the front looks like. Where, where are you going to go? Where are, and I'll talk to myself exactly as I'm talking now. So where are you going to go? What's going to happen to you? What do you want to do with your life? What's going to happen? And I didn't know the answer. Mm. I sat there and I said, I said, I will ask this question and I will not get off from this chair until I have answered this question. It was, I have lost everything now. It can only get better from here onwards. So I have an opportunity to rebuild my life. How am I going to do it? It's going to matter what I'm going to do now. And I remember I would go for interviews, HR, jobs. I would go for interviews and I would come back and sit on this chair and I said, is this what you want? Is this what you want? Do you want to do this? Is this how you want to spend your life now? And the answer was no. Then I'd say, so then what do you want? It's a very frightening process yeah. you put yourself What are you going to do? Who are you? Who are you going to become? What's going to happen? Who do you want to be? And I wouldn't know. And sometimes, you know, I would sit. It was light until it get, got dark and I'm still sitting there. And then I would get up and sleep. And the one day that I was able to answer, I said, I will keep doing this until I have an answer. And the one day I asked the question, so who are you going to become? 
And this is how I answered it. I'm going to become the person I knew I was meant to become before anyone ever told me who I was going to become. Who? Say it again, please. I'm going to become the person I knew I was meant to become before anyone told me what I was supposed to be. That's beautiful. And I and I could see that child that knew that I connected to that knowingness and I was at peace. I was at peace. It was just I mean, I get so emotional when I think about it. It was just freeing. It was just freeing because I came back to myself. I recognized that I'd come back home to myself. For Siskosi, coming home to herself meant going back to the classroom to do a master's in psychology. And while she was grateful for the opportunity, there was something unsatisfactory about being a black student in a predominantly white institution. When it was like, this is our last lecture. Like, it's the end. Like, we are done. I couldn't believe it. It was like, how can we be done when we have not talked about the spirit? We've talked about the mind. We haven't talked about the spirit. This is not why I came here. I didn't just come here to just understand the human mind. I, my understanding, what brought me into this, was that experience. I, I want to understand the spirit, the spiritual side of psychology. And so this was, it was nice, it was useful information, but it was missing an important element. I always felt there's a, something was missing in, in this whole puzzle. They haven't talked to me about something so important. Uh, and oh, even though we did, you know, the um, cultural sensitivity and, you know, they talk about Ubuntu, uh, <laughs> and they, you know, now you must be taught about what Ubuntu means. And it just was not it. And the other thing that irritates me, irritates me, is when you talk about African psychology and all you hear is about, oh yeah, you know, now that we've recognized, you know, it's kind of like the the discipline has suddenly now recognized and uh, is now suddenly recognizing and and validating Obusangoma, you know, and it's just like, oh, the Twasa. But there's just such a way of talking about it that like, and... And I remember I made this comment the one time I was so mad. I, I just said, if if I hear somebody talking to me about Isangoma when I'm talking black psychology, I'm going to scream because we are not all about being Isangoma. Please <laughs> do not insult us. There's more to us than being Isangom. It's like they've now suddenly found the grail, uh, you know, and everything is now, it's like in vogue to be able to speak about African psychology and speak about being a Sangoma and the Twasa. And and that's probably because 
in their mind, spirituality yes. equals to Ubungo. Exactly. And never just... Exactly. The spirituality... Exactly. They equate it to Ubungoma. It's as... And they have no... Not grasped spirituality beyond that. And so that is the emptiness. That's the one piece that's missing in this big puzzle. And yeah, I mean, universities are opening up to... They're only now starting to, you know, the big decolonization conversation is an important conversation. We haven't even begun to talk about African psychology beyond Ugutasa. Where are you looking in your search? What, what, what fulfills you in your quest to understand these things spirituality and African psychology and marry them together? Like what for you becomes satisfying that, okay, this is the path that we should be? Well, first of all, we need to acknowledge that psychology didn't come with Abelungu. You know, it is not as though we don't have a psychology as Africans. So that's the first thing. We've got to go back to that basic. You know how it makes me angry? That I finished my master's, I qualified, cum laude. We, have ne- we had not talked about Franz Fanon. I am so ashamed that I've only gotten to know Franz Fanon so recently. It, I am ashamed of it. I am ashamed of it. I went through bachelor's, honors, master's. Not once did the name Franz Fanon ever come up. Why? Why? That's the first question. So, you know, you, you are taught to negate who you are. You know, so you, you kind of have to wear these borrowed robes. Um, and I'm not saying it's all wrong. It's, it's good, it's important to know that, but that's not all that psychology is about. And so we need to see more of the black African voice, psychology. And that, that doesn't feature in the curriculum. It doesn't. And it is totally wrong. And you see how this alienation from the self, first of all, from us as the professionals, and then the client comes into this space, and you see, you see why people struggle so much mm. to identify with psychology. You know what you're saying um, reminds me of one of the questions I wanted to put to you about my process and what I thought I could bring into the room. Mm. And by that I mean after some time. So, for instance, Marikana happens during the time that I'm in therapy. Mm. The... Uh, brutal deaths of many people in the States that we were seeing on social media mm. as a result of police brutality mm. happened in the same period. Mm. And and this has not really to do with my, with my therapist, but I just never felt like these were things that I could bring into the room. Mm. As much as uh-huh. they hurt me, uh-huh. they hurt me very, uh-huh. very deeply. Uh-huh. And I would be depressed yeah. about... Marikana and, yes. and remembering the bullets. Yes. Not once did I ever raise... Uh-huh those issues because uh-huh. it always felt like this it was, is not the space it's, go- it's not the space yeah. and 
however, whatever, whatever happens in the session, we're going to come back to me mm. and my pathologies mm. and me. It's going to be me. Yeah. I can't just be like, yeah. damn, yeah. I don't like what that politician yes. did. Yeah. Um, and you're touching a very important point because part of that is about the the disassociation that you have to make as a person from understanding yourself in the collective to you have to isolate yourself and you have to be this individualized person and therefore you can't bring the collective with you to that conversation and I imagine that if your therapist was different, if you were with a black person, you would feel less of that. She was black, uh, but I think, but I think in 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 the in way your in mind, which, the way yeah. it it is structured, yeah, yeah. in the way in which our our therapy was structured, right. I just never felt I, this was something that I could raise here and would be given tools to think about. Yeah, if I want to cry about a collective pain. Mm. Take it somewhere else. Take it somewhere else yeah. with friends over yeah. a drink. Yeah. But but not here. I'm not gonna cry about slavery, for instance. Right. You know? You know. And you have days like that mm-hmm. where you're like, damn, mm-hmm. look at what they did to us. I for cried. All those- I cried in I was in Zanzibar now for my birthday in December. I cried when I saw what slavery did. I still I still I, I still yeah. And so it's a conversation. But you know the, the the point i'm i'm trying to get at is is exactly the, how that frame is such that here are two africans sitting in the room who can't be themselves because the frame is structured around a western narrative of the individual yeah so even as a black therapist the structure is set up such that you you have to also individuate the person uh, and the kind of has to be like some load shedding of the collective in that space. And as much as I am not saying that, you know, it is an individual, it is your, your individual journey. So it, 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 it's kind of um, a paradox in a sense mm. that it's your space. As an individual, you have taken this process, you've taken this journey as yourself, as an individual. Um, but, but your individuality is different from the Western narrative of the individual. You see? And so therapy needs to make space for that. For me, I would not be a psychologist if it doesn't resonate with who I am. If I can't do it, in a manner that's congruent with who I am, the type of person. I don't want to not recognize myself because I have become what the Western frame said, this is how you become a psychologist. I can't work with that. I am not that person. I am not Freud. I have never lived in Vienna. That's not my life. My life is different. I'm a black person. Uh, I relate to people differently. So... And and that comes through in my in my work with people, um, and a lot of black people have said part of the reason they don't go to therapy is because it's alienating. It's this space where a person kind of feels like huh? they're aloof. 
Yes, just uh, exactly. I can't connect ever. with them, you know. And I remember I had a similar experience with my therapist when I was in therapy. And and I just kind of sat there and it was kind of very a strange place, uh, even for me. And so I want people to be themselves, to recognize themselves. Um, I want people to be able to talk in a manner that's cong- they don't need to figure it out and be polished about what they want to say. Um, and we can go there and 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 connect at that level. Uh, uh, it shouldn't be a burden. They already are burdened enough by whatever has brought them to this space. Mm. They shouldn't now have to deal with, oh, how do I talk to my therapist? Mm. How do I figure it out in this way or that way? So I'm very much more in that way. And 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 it is important. The relationship that we have with each other is important for me um, as black people, you know. So I don't have those rigid Western white boundaries um, because that's not just not who I am. And I and, and therefore I cannot work in that way. Mm. I want that for my clients. I want them to come with themselves. Just as I am, I come to thee is how I want them to do. Mm-hmm. You know, and people would come in and say, oh, I've never uh, been to a therapist before. Um, so I'm not sure what I'm supposed to say. And I said, I also don't know. That's, there is no script. There is no script. When it came to thinking about her PhD, Siskosi was determined to do her research on a question that troubles her at night, as she says. What are we doing about the psychological trauma that we experienced through apartheid, through slavery, through colonization? What are we doing about it? And so my topic, my area of research is on black psychological empowerment. Because I've said to myself, above all, Apartheid was psychological warfare. Slavery was psychological warfare. And if I look at what we have done as a country, we did the TRC and and it's kind of like that was the healing work done. And I'm sure, you know, work has continued for people in individual pockets, but collectively, what have we done? Um, all we've done is we've peddled BEE economic empowerment as if as if apartheid was economic and and in so doing we are dealing only with a symptom we are not dealing with the real issue the fundamentals um and so that's how i came across the work of franz fanon and i was like oh my word what have i been deprived of and i got really angry I really got angry that why why was I let out of the system and told I qualify when I have not been spoken to about this? Mm-hmm. I felt so betrayed and I still do mm-hmm. feel betrayed as a black South African. And I feel that as a country, we are owed a conversation around black psychological empowerment. 
and no work has been done in that space. And also, I'm saying, what are we as black psychologists doing? What are we doing? What are we saying about all this? Why, where is our voice as black psychologists? And, you know, the one psychologist um, says, psychologists without a psychology, that's who we are. Because it is irresponsible that we are not having a conversation. And so what we do is we keep just peddling the same Western frame. You know, we write, we publish, we do this. We talk about black people instead of talking to black people. What are we saying to our own people with what we know? How are we using our knowledge beyond the private rooms? Hmm. How are we using our knowledge to speak for and to our own experience as black people? How do we as black people, as black psychologists, how do we contribute to our own healing as the black community? Hmm. And, I, and I feel that we are neglecting a huge responsibility and therefore that is why I'm where I am mm. all the best with that thank you we look forward to the work yeah thank you yeah. me too and and it's been you know the journey that it's taking me on there's suddenly a whole world that's opened up I didn't know this exists mm. There's a whole lot of examination that needs to happen. We need to restory ourselves individually and collectively as a people. That's, that, for me, is the role that black psychologists have a responsibility for in this country, in this continent. We have to work with these issues. It's not enough to sit in our private rooms. The luxury of sitting in our private rooms, we don't have. Nobody, how many people make it to the room? Mm. How many people are out there? Mm. This is a conversation we need to have as a people. We need, to, we need to broaden the horizon. We need to develop a psychology that speaks to our issues, not the issues Zabelung, not the issues that were defined for us by Abelung. This is what you need to talk about, this is what you can't talk about, and so on. We need to, yeah, reconfigure mm. ourselves first so that we can reconfigure the therapeutic space so that it really actually does become therapeutic. Wow. You know? That's that's profound. Mm. Yeah. I love that. I love that. I really do. Sometimes the darkness sits on my chest, making it harder to tell east from west. And And that brings us to the end of episode six. Thank you to my guest, Kosi Gianne, and to each of you for listening. Thank you also to Denika Naidu, the co-producer, Nomalik Taile, who does digital, and Spaman Layende, the engineer. You can send us feedback to intherapy at kayafm.co.za. 
By the way, if you want to explore other themes around spirituality, have a listen to Umoya, Kaya FM's podcast created and hosted by Atambila Masola and Milisutando Bongela. Go to kayafm.co.za and click on podcasts. We end off with Zasha's beautiful song, Breathe, which is available on all major platforms. Thank you.